It's not about me. I'm only here for a minute, and I know that I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try? Hello and welcome to the latest Laz and Powers. Today is October 15th and a lot has happened since we last spoke. Uh, Scott, uh, I'm joined by Scott Powers, of course, of The Athletic. I am Mark Lazarus. And uh, when we last spoke, uh, Stan Bowman had just broken the news that Corey Crawford was no longer going to be a part of the Blackhawks, which was kind of a seismic shift. And in the weeks since, uh, we've kind of felt that seismic shift, haven't we, Scott? Yeah, no, it's definitely uh, it's a different team um, than what we had, uh, I guess, a week ago that we were covering. Uh, and I feel like and nothing's going to be matched by the Crawford news. And it seemed like once they did the Crawford news, anything could follow. And, and certainly you'd reported that Saad could be traded. And, um, and, and we're, when, I feel like the moves that they did was like, they're still wanting to be competitive in some ways. And they're still looking to, to fix this team in some ways, you know, like they, they brought on some role and depth players and, uh, they also want to give more of an opportunity to, um, to younger players. But I, I think, I mean, it's all predicated by, you know, by, by the Crawford news and kind of stating where this is going, you know, and maybe Delia or Subban or, or Lincoln and someone steps up, but it felt like this was going to be a rebuilding season and um, they're going to give those guys a chance in that. And where a year ago you devoted all your resources to goaltending this year, you're putting very little into it. Um, and as much as you may have other areas improved, like it, it, it still feels like it's it's all going to be defined by how the goaltending is so yeah and, and you know in our piece today we you know we talked a lot of league sources and and there are positive things that people are saying about the blackhawks moves but, uh, but again it's all um yeah i feel like the headliner is still the crawford news and how much that kind of plays out on everything else well i feel like we should summarize at least for the uh, okay. what's, yeah, sure. what's happened since then sure. so so obviously they let crawford walk they re-signed malcolm suban he's going to be in the mix with colin Dealey and kevin lankin and as expected uh, then the big trade, they traded Brandon Saad, the second time they've traded Brandon Saad now, uh, to Colorado. And they brought back Nikita Zadorov, a big kind of hulking defenseman, uh, more defensive-minded guy, big hits, big personality. Uh, they traded Dennis Gilbert away to Colorado in that, and they picked up uh, a minor leaguer and uh, Anton Lindholm. And then they went out and they made two interesting signings. They got uh, Matthias Janmark from Dallas and Lucas Walmark from Co- uh, Carolina, uh, Florida. I think he was actually in Florida, yeah, Florida before yeah. he, uh, he was traded uh, at, at the deadline last year. Two uh, not quite Marcus Kruger types, but defensive-minded, bottom six kind of centers uh, with a little bit of offensive pop to their game, uh, particularly Yanmark. He's a, I think he has a 19-goal score at one point. So some interesting signings because what we've been saying about the Blackhawks all along is they got a lot of bottom six guys. You know, it, it, and that's all they have coming up in the minors too. Is you know, bottom six guys, kind of Matthew Highmore types. There's not a lot of game breakers out there. So to bring in a couple of more of those guys, um, there's clearly a, a focus being made on making this team better defensively. Yeah. And you know, I'm sure Corey Crawford would have really appreciated that had he be resigned. <laughs> uh, but obviously, Subban, Dealey, and Lankinen are going to need all the help they can get. But it's interesting that if if their priority is not giving up as many goals next year. Uh, kicking away your uh, your borderline Hall of Fame goaltender is an interesting way to go about it. It's also interesting because the Mata Cuckoo pairing was was really good. You know, like analytically, 
uh, both have been better than Zadorov this season, and I, I think that Zadorov looks more the part. And, um, and and you know, from everything I've heard, they want Zadorov to play with either Mitchell or Boquist. They see him kind of complementing their styles, and you know, he can be more of that shutdown guy. But I, I just I wonder. If you know, and, and I think Zadorov's excited about this opportunity because he sees it more of, you know, he's going to get a chance to play more of a top four role and, and you know, be highlighted a little bit more than he was in Colorado. But I, I'm wondering whether it plays out like that, whether it's um, even though he looks the part and, and, and maybe, you know, on paper it looks like he could fit into what the Blackhawks are doing. But moving on from Kamad and Cuckoo, like I'm curious whether analytically and whether it actually shows up on the ice that, that this was the best move from them. Like maybe re-signing Cuckoo at us, you know, I, I think he would have come in at lower than what, what Zidorov is. It, whether that, oh, certainly. Whether that would have made sense. So um, I, I think the Janmark and um, uh, uh, Landmark. Walmart. Walmart. <laughs> saying them back to back, it just, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think those are, yeah, I mean, those are the type of moves they probably even should have done a year ago. You know, you bring in guys on one-year deals, they're not uh, huge cap hits, they're guys that help your depth, and I think they make the Blackhawks to play harder against. Uh, you know, types of guys that would have helped them against the Vegas series, certainly. Um, I'm curious to see who shifts out on, on this. You know, like there, there's definitely, there's, you know, when I did the depth chart story earlier this week about, uh, you know, there's questions about where Zach Smith and Andrew Shaw are, but also where, you know, um, you know, Walmart was, I, I, and I put him outside the top 12, but he, you know, from everything I've talked to, you know, about with sources from them, everyone thinks that he's the real deal and he can help the Blackhawks and, um, but where does he fit in? You, you bump out Highmore, or, or you know, it was camped. Maybe you know, maybe he's camped on the outside looking. And I, I think there's some lot of questions about how this this plays out still. But um, yeah, yeah, I don't. I it's it's still that balancing act. And I, I and one of the things that I, I thought was most interesting with with what we did was what one of the sources told me about the Crawford thing, where they. Um, I believe that Colleton and Stan Bowman sat down with all the veterans, so they had an idea what this offseason was going to be like. But I think they all expected Corey Crawford to come back. And the fact they offered him a contract, like there was something on the table, and, and the Blackhawks didn't increase that amount, but there was an amount there, and it maybe wasn't a Crawford's like. And he did, you know, he did say he thought they were even negotiating. But I think from the veteran standpoint, it was like, well, ultimately you'd let him. You let him walk for over maybe it was over a year, maybe it was over a million dollars, but at the end of the day, it's not a lot, and and you kind of shifted plans. So I think if the Blackhawks had started this offseason saying, you know, we're not going to bring back Coy Crawford, and this is our direction, I think the veterans might have been more understanding. Now it just looks like, well, we let them part over money that we we had or years that you know one one additional year that probably wouldn't kill the Blackhawks, but. Um, I, I think it's more about the perception now that you let him walk, and and, and certainly want to get into the story with you talking to uh, to Jonathan Taves and um, just you know even his tone and you know what we couldn't see on um, you know on paper of what what that conversation was like with him. Yeah, I mean we'll get into that, I mean, but it is it's 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 like again when when they announced that Crawford was not being re-signed, I'm like, all right, well here we go, full blown rebuild, put in the young guys. This is what they're doing. But then they go out and they make these signings. Yanmark is 27. Walmart is 25. These aren't young guys. Adorov is 25. I mean, are these guys going to be a big part of your future? These are the signings they should have made a year ago, two years ago. We've talked a lot about how bad the offseasons were the last couple of years. Signing guys like Chris Kunitz and, uh, and uh, Brandon Manning two years ago. Signing a bunch of guys with term last year and, and getting uh, acquiring Olimata, Calvin DeHaan, and these guys. These are the kinds of signings you should have made. One-year guys prove it deals, see if you can win right now with them, and then you re-sign them. But 
in, what what are they doing right now? These are good signings if you're trying to make your team better, but are the Blackhawks trying to make their team better, or are they trying to get a good draft pick the next couple of years and retool this whole thing? I don't know what the plan is still, and Stan Bowman has not spoken since last Thursday when he announced the Crawford. He didn't, it's very unusual for a guy like Brandon Saad to be traded and for the GM not to talk afterward. Yeah. So that that is a very unusual thing. So we have yet to hear from Stan Bowman, have him articulate what exactly the plan is. Are the Blackhawks trying to portray themselves as some kind of playoff team next year after trading four Stanley Cups in Brandon Saad and Corey Crawford. It doesn't seem likely, but at the same time, they're going out and signing guys that you'd sign when you're trying to win right now. So I don't know what the plan is here. I still don't know what the plan is here, and I don't know if we're ever going to know what the plan is here. Well, that's the odd thing about the Crawford thing, too, is like if the plan was not, you know, like if it was to go to the direction of young guys, then why offer him a contract at all, you know? Like... It felt like it was, well, if Crawford takes this deal, then then we'll deviate from the plan slightly. You know, like there wasn't there wasn't a hard line that was going to be uh, either we want Crawford back or not. But it was just like, well, if he takes a deal, then we'll bring him back. And then, um, it, yeah, I don't know. It, just, it felt like you either you offer him or you don't. If you offer him, then you, you negotiate a little bit and, and you make it work because it's, it's strange. I mean, Crawford said it, too, that he was just odd that there wasn't more back and forth. I mean, in most negotiations, there's a starting point and there's an ending point, and uh, it, it doesn't usually just yeah, start. I mean, why, why, did they, why did they offer him a deal they knew he wasn't going to take and then just take it off the table and not make any effort? Like, that's a strange... Like, right. did, did they change their mind at some point after making an offer and then saying, you know what, screw it, let's just go young? Like, what are they doing? What They're, they're making this up on the fly? I don't understand what it is they're doing. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, that's the thing. It's so it's the indecisiveness of of it all, and even last off season, where uh, you know it, it sounds like at one point they may have you know may have thought about going you know short term, and then Sam Bowman goes long term, and 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 he went full full blown long term. You know, it was it wasn't just uh, getting Dehan, and then it was Mata, and then it was uh, you know Zach Smith and Andrew Shaw, and it was it was so much one direction that they were they obviously expected to compete for a cup you know, last year and. Uh, and when it didn't go that way, then they spun a different direction. And then this offseason, I felt like, well, you offered Crawford, so what does that say? You don't know what direction you're going. And then Crawford says he's not going to sign for that amount, so you take it off, and now you're going in this other direction. And then the next thing we're told is Brandon Sod's, you know, traded, which which made sense, but it was for someone that I guess they're projecting Zadorov to be in the long-term plans. But, yeah, I don't know. Even now, like, it feels like it's taking up a spot, like trading – Trading Mata and then getting rid of Kuku made sense if you were opening spots for uh, for Mitchell and and, and Kalinuk and um, and Carlson and whoever else. But now it's like, well, Zadorov steals, you know, takes one spot, and you certainly have still the uh, the unknown of Seabrook. And if he's back and he's playing, does he take Mitchell's spot? And now all of a sudden, there's no uh, where, where does you know where does Mitchell fit in that or any of those younger guys? That's no rebuild. Yeah. yeah so I, I don't know. Zadorov's a guy. I- uh, talking to people around the league, talking to people in Colorado, Zadora's a guy that it's easy to fall in love with him as a general manager. You see he's got all the tools. He's big. He's nasty on the ice. He's got a big personality in the room. Everybody thinks that he can be something, and that's fine. 
He hasn't shown it yet, though. I mean, he's been very inconsistent off and on. You know, maybe this is the change of scenery that'll that'll work for him. And and you take a chance on him. It's a one year deal. You know, don't do the Artem Anisimov thing and give him four or five years right off the bat. Make him prove it first. I'm fine with all that in theory. But again, I just the it, it's weird because when the Sod trade went down, I talked to a few people and they all said the same thing that the Blackhawks were starting to pinch pennies a little bit, that it wasn't just cat money they wanted to get rid of. It was actual dollars. They wanted to save a little bit of money. The pandemics hit everybody hard. And you can argue whether billionaires should be making decisions like that or not, whether that's reasonable or not. That's a separate issue. But what I heard was they wanted to spend less money. So they weren't going to spend to the cat, maybe this, that, and the other thing. But then they bring back Zadorov at three point two million. They go out and they sign a couple other guys at about a million dollars each. And really, the money is a wash. You know, whether you think Brandon Saad is worth six million dollars or not, it doesn't matter because they brought back essentially six million dollars by moving him. So I don't well, know. They also retain Nobody money seems to know. And yeah. On, on Saad, yeah, they saved a million dollars on Saad. So, I mean, the money, they didn't really save any money here. They didn't really save any cap space, and they didn't really save any actual dollars. So, again, it just feels, and until we hear differently, until Rocky Wirtz talks, or until Danny Wirtz talks, or until Stan Bowman talks, and until they speak honestly, we don't know if money is an issue. We don't know if they're trying to win this year. We don't know if they're thinking a three-year plan. They haven't articulated anything yet. We've heard, that, you know, Stan Bowman last Thursday said, we want to give young guys a chance to play. All right, that's fine. That's fair. That's a valid thing. And, you know, frankly, a rebuild is probably the right thing to do. But the manner in which they're going about it is the real trouble here. And that gets into that story I wrote with Taves over the weekend where, you know, there's been no lines of communication between the core and the general manager within the front office in any way. And, you know, I know a lot of people say, hey, they're players. They don't get to say this isn't the NBA where LeBron James is basically the GM. But Christ, if any players have earned the right to at least be not blindsided by this, to get a heads up, even if you don't value their input and you don't want them making it. Patrick Kane said last year that he wanted to have some kind of input in the way the team goes. If you don't agree with that, they should at least get a heads up that, hey, one of your best friends, a guy you won two Stanley Cups with and who's been the backbone of this team the last few years, the only thing keeping you competitive, we're not only going to not re-sign him, we're going to basically kick him to the curb. That really pissed off the core. They are furious about that. And Taves was very measured with his words because he's Jonathan Taves. He's not going to go out there and and you know light you know bridges on fire. But for him to come out and say anything at all, is very un-Blackhawk-like and very indicative of just how upset the core is about the things that happened last week. Yeah, and it, yeah, it, it's it's odd because it's again. I think if they bring back Crawford, like they, everyone else would be on board about the other moves. You know, like if you would, right, even the other the moves were good. Might have been they would have been on board. It was just I think the Crawford one was so blindsiding to them. And again, it's it's they offered him a contract, so it wasn't like it wasn't the, the first sign wasn't like well we don't want him back. It just yeah I think it. I think it confused a lot of people, and especially the core. And um, I, I mean, even the sod trade. I mean, I, I was of the belief that a better move would have been to hold him until the trade deadline, when some desperate team wanted a, a, the missing piece, and you can maybe get some draft picks. The fact that they didn't get any prospects. Anton Lindholm is not a prospect. He's a minor leaguer. Yeah. He is not a prospect. Uh, Zadora is a good player potentially. That's fine, but to get no futures out of sod is disconcerting. But you know, I can see making that trade. If you thought you were going to lose Saad, you wanted to get something for him, fine. And the Yanmark signing, the Walmart signing, these are good signings. But in the wake of letting Crawford walk, when you're basically saying we have, we're have we punting on this season, we're not going to have a chance to win this season, all the other moves, the complexion of everything changes. 
And I think you're right. If, if they brought Corey Crawford back, you could justify every other move, and the court could say, all right, well, they're still trying to win this year because we got Corey Crawford. You know, we're going to be better defensively now as a team, and we've got Corey Crawford. We'll have to make up for Brandon Saad. That's a difficult thing to make up for, but, you know, these two guys combined maybe form a Saad. They'd be on board. They would still be buying in. Move, let, moving on from Corey Crawford, that's the seismic decision that there's going to be fallout for a while. I, I feel like within, you know, what, what things I've heard, they feel like they're moving forward in a positive direction you know like they feel like they're doing what's needed to take that next step and i and i don't get the sense that they think that they're tanking you know like they're i don't know if they're putting a word on it or rebuilding but they they feel like these are all natural progressions toward winning again and just it's yeah i don't i I, you want to bring enough veterans in where you support the young guys and it just it felt like the biggest piece to the blackhawks being able to take steps forward. And I feel like a big reason why last year was somewhat a success. If you're looking at it from just, you know, getting Doc and Boquist at times that you were competitive, you know, like you were in, within games, you were close to a playoff spot. And a big reason for that was because you put so much money into your probably most important position last season, which was goaltender. And now you've completely taken off at that safety valve, you know, like if, if, you know, Dealey, Dealey showed some signs of being a, uh, you know, like he, he has some potential. I think the last time he was up that he was, uh, at least early on when he was up in 2018, he was, uh, or 2019, 18-19 season, like, like there was a good stretch. Uh, Subban's been pretty inconsistent, you know, maybe, um, I, I know that he's chopping at the bit to, as an opportunity as a number one, but his, he's been pretty inconsistent as a number two, so I don't know. Like, it's not like the natural progression for him to be a number one. And, and Lincoln, and you still don't know, you know, like he... Um, he had that great world championship, um, and he played well in Rockford earlier last season. But you, you still don't know, so I don't like. I, I feel like you're handing the net over to people who are um, like it's not like like it's it's their time well. That's just one way, that, that's, that's just it. Yeah, like it's. it's I, I mean, I, it, 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 all three of these guys are have potential. They have a ceiling. They, they're none of these guys are, are are scrubs here. You know, Subban was a number one a first round draft pick. Yeah. There's a pedigree there, and the other guys have have earned their chance. But the smart play was was to sign Crawford and to have him be the number one and play 55 games a year and ease those guys in. Neither of them, you know, Delia had his stretch and Subban's had a, a brief stretches here and there, but none of them's really been in the NHL for a full season. So to ask one of them to be the number one goaltender now on a team that is the worst team in the league defensively, it's not it's not putting them in a position to succeed. Yeah. And that's one thing the Blackhawks have been adamant about with their young players over the years is putting them in a position to, to succeed. The way they eased Dabrinkit into the lineup, the way they eased Kubalik into the lineup, the way that they paired Boquist with Keith, give these guys safety values. Even Yoki Haru was paired with Keith. They put him in positions to succeed, to get confidence early, and then ratchet up the playing time. One of these guys is getting thrown into the fire as a number one goalie, and they're not being put in a position to succeed, and that's going to affect their confidence, and it could slow their development. If you had one of them as the backup goalie, and the other one, the other two fighting it out in Rockford, that's how you progress your goaltenders. And I know that they're, none of these guys is young. They're all 25 or older at this point, so they're not like some kids coming in. They're ready to play, but they're going to be put in an untenable situation this season behind a defense that's not ready to support them. And that's disconcerting as you're not giving these guys a real chance to succeed right out of the gate. And you you wonder if it's going to be one step forward, two steps back. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And even if you brought Crawford back and, and not even had him 55 games, if like it was a true like splitting or at one point if someone took over the number one spot and Crawford's more than number two, like it just, yeah, I don't know. I just, it felt like th- there was an obvious decision there to bring him back and and they obviously have created enough cap space and i know the zach smith lt you know him being an ltir they weren't able to buy him out but beyond that they were able to create the cap space so um yeah i don't know i it's yeah i don't i don't get it and i'm 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 curious i'm i I just i I don't know how uh, like this could be you know i think someone's one of the sources said that this is the recipe for disaster and it just if if delia or suban or lincoln isn't up for the challenge and you're constantly um, you're constantly from playing from behind, and it just, I think it affects it affects the development curve just because it's going to hurt them these kids mentally too, and and losing games, and at least this past season they were they were competitive in games, and uh, you, you could you know I think Doc and Bokus had their ups and downs still, but if um, yeah I, I I just I think the Blackhawks fear at this point has to be that this season. Uh, is really dismal, and and the veterans turn you off, and you know that ultimately leads to the the youngsters turning everything off and uh, there's not really progress being made there if it's, you know, if you're a bad team. Cause I think in so many ways that Taves and Kane and Keith and, and, and Seabrook and these guys still lead how these, you know, how these kids think and feel and how they act. And um, I, I think a losing season could really, yeah, just have a lot of negative effects on, on the team and probably where the organization is heading and at least in the short term. Well, that's just it. I mean, you go and you read our piece today, and there's a lot of positivity in there. Like every every even the sod trade, the the signings, everybody kind of likes those moves. Those are good moves for the Blackhawks. But it all, you know, the recipe for disaster that becomes that's because of the goaltending. That's it all comes back to the goaltending, and so it's 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 a weird off season so far because they're doing lots of good little moves mm-hmm. that would have been great a year ago, but in the context of this season, in the context of the Crawford decision. They, it, it's rearranging deck tears on the Titanic. That's what it feels like. Yeah, and I guess I guess defensively as a team they could be better, right? Like there's a chance like if you have the four can't be worse. Yeah, <laughs> no, certainly. Uh, I just I, I'm interested how the lineup shakes out. You know, like even now, like you still want to play young kids, and like is Nylander still get that long long opportunity? Like you know, bringing in these other guys who who's coming out? Like if Zach Smith and Andrew Shaw are ready, like where where do they fit in uh, the Seabrook thing and I, I would think you want Boquist and Mitchell both in the lineup to start the season. And, um, yeah, I, I, there's going to be such a balancing act of that even, just getting those guys that you want to play and, and maybe not, yeah, I, I guess upsetting. Well, or, I, 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 it's, it's, I, I touched on this in the, in, the, in the story over the weekend, but the from what I've heard, and, again, take everything you hear this time of year with a grain of salt. The season's still a long way away. Brent Seabrook is preparing – mentally to be the number seven defenseman he thinks that's where he's going to end up he's not thrilled about it but he's prepared to do that he's not you know you know it, it, and and if the plan is to make him so miserable that he wave that he's willing to wave his no clause his no movement clause that's not going to happen that's not what he wants he said you're going to sit me then you're still going to have to pay me he wants to play he thinks he can be a good player still uh and uh, the belief around the team is that he he's going to be good they saw what they needed to see in camp over the summer and they think he can be a top six defenseman again but he is bracing to be the number seven because he thinks that's the that's the the writing on the wall um and again take it all with a grain of salt and things can change on a daily basis in the offseason 
But if that's the case, you know, is, are there going to be issues? Is it going to be a this the, the first time that Ian Mitchell or Adam Boquist has a bad game? Does Seabrook take his spot? And what if Seabrook plays well? Do you start sitting the young guys? Do yeah. you send them to Rockford? There's so many moving parts to this, and so many potential. You know, mind it's a minefield out there as a coach and as a general manager. What you do if you've got Andrew Shaw and Brent Seabrook not playing on a daily basis? Because of their salaries, because of their standing with the team, because of the respect they have in the room. There's so many factors to consider that, you know, this is never going to be a true rebuild while you've got all these accomplished, decorated, beloved veterans in that room. Well, that's the hardest part, too. And, and there's so many of them still, right? Like, if it was just, like, one guy or two guys, like, you'd be like, well, you either you got to buy into it, you know? Like, it just it feels like they, they have such the control still. And, and I think, you know, Taves speaking up and saying what he did, like, and everyone taking such notice, like, you just... It's still, um, yeah, I don't know, it's still their team, you know. Like it's at the, I guess when you look at the roster, it's it's more more guys who haven't been here who have been here, but it's still it's still their team, and they still they still have the fans behind them, and um, you know, like it's it's all in their control, and it, it, this would be easier for Stan Bowman and, and probably Jeremy Colleton too if those guys weren't here at this point, you know. But it's yeah. that's the obstacle that that's continuing to be there because the expectation still is to win while they're here. Um, and, and it's still, you know, even, you know, for Colton's only been here two years, but it's, this is more of something that's been lasting five years now. You know, it's, 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 it's dating back to 2017, that national series, and then, um, you know, not making the playoffs and, um, and, and yeah, just what they've done the last few years and kind of fumbled the, uh, what their opportunities they had, other opportunities to rebuild and really go into this. And now, uh, you're, you're, you're here in year, year three, year, year four, whatever it is now. And it's just, it's still not being probably, uh, done properly. So, I, I mean, there, there's there's still there, there's still a way to get the veterans on board here. You just need to sit down with them and talk to them, and you need to you need to get them into the conversation. You need to show them the respect that they've earned, and at least kind of look. This is the plan we're laying out. This is why in twenty two twenty three, the like you wrote about earlier this week, Scott. This is why we think we're going to be really good in two years. And what a story that would be. You're talking the last year of the contracts of Kane, Taves, DeBrinket, Keith. The second to last year of Seabrook's contract. Imagine if that's the year they get back into it. The the drama of what could be the last hurrah for the core, or do you re-sign them? Or what are they worth? Do Kane and Taves still get matching contracts, or they finally reach a point in their career where they negotiate separately? <laughs> I mean, the the storylines, the potential storylines for twenty two twenty three, if the Hawks are better off by then, it it's going to be so crazy covering that year. Like, I kind of just want to skip ahead to that, not just because maybe by then the pandemic will be over, but <laughs> maybe, by then, it. maybe, maybe. I'm not so not so sure, but maybe. But I, the, 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 the way this is all lining up, there's just so many fascinating potential developments that could happen down the road that it's it's going to be interesting. And that, But you're also kind of assuming that there's a laid out plan, like the Blackhawks are thinking that. Like, <laughs> well, that's a good point. You know, like it's, it, I don't... I, I feel like we've asked Dan Bowman the plan, and he's given us variations of it over the last few years. And even when we talked to him last week, like you said about that, the quote about the young players, but it's then it felt like they deviated from it slightly again. So, I it, it just it's there's not there hasn't been a clear path, and um, yeah, yeah, I, I guess that's that's. I mean, I think everyone's kind of grasping at it, where there's just uh, what's what exactly the plan is, and um, you, you felt like this. You know, like they maybe had a defined direction and then they deviated from it again, even from the start of the offseason. So it'll, uh, 
yeah, I think we have more questions than answers right now, and, and I'm I'm and I'm sure that that's how the core feels too. Where like even I mean they had they did have like sit down discussions after the season. I'm sure they all felt like they knew what direction those was going, and I, I, I assumed a lot of them felt like Corey Crawford was coming back, and then he wasn't, and and now this feels like it's probably a different direction for them, even from the end of the season. So. Um, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully we get a chance to talk to Stan Bowman here in the next week and, and we'll give, him a, give him another opportunity to kind of explain where, where they're going and, the, the, this, you know, the thought process behind these moves. Um, but until then, yeah, I, I feel like we're just kind of talking circles about where where <laughs> the direction is. Yeah, Stan needs to talk. He needs to talk soon. I mean, uh, maybe they're waiting until they sign a Strom deal to, to kind of put a bow on the offseason, but... There, there, there's way too many loose ends out there. The, the Taves comments are hanging in the air still. The, the team needs to respond to this in some way. Stan needs to talk or Rocky needs to talk. We've certainly put out our request for that. Um, and I, w- w- then maybe we'll get some answers. Maybe we won't. I mean, you know, the Blackhawks aren't known for, you know, revealing their cards. They keep them close to the chest. So maybe we'll just be waiting uh, all year to figure out what the plan is until the next trade deadline and the next offseason and on and on and on. I feel like we've but, had um, a request for Rocky since since March. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Both of us have, uh, have requested a few times. So hopefully sometime soon yeah. we can get a sense of where things stand. Not just with the on ice product, but this, I mean, the layoffs they had, the the pay cuts they've had, like, are these going to be permanent things? Do they have to scale back the business? How, how you know, Rocky Wirtz makes billions in the beverage industry, but the, the margins on the hockey operations are pretty slim. So, you know, how do, the, how do you differentiate between them? There's a lot of questions that we need answered. Uh, but in the meantime, we're just sitting here speculating. So yeah. um, I would say go read Kevin Fishbane's oral history of the 2000 Northwestern Michigan game, <laughs> one of the greatest games ever. It's a phenomenal job. It's so fun to read. That was my senior year at Northwestern. I was, I was covered that game. I wrote a column off that game. That whole year was so much fun, and the story is great. Uh, go read that. Go read James Fagan on uh, the White Sox manager situation. And uh, and just, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on The Athletic these days. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll have uh, – I don't know exactly what we're writing over the next week, but I'm sure we'll have more stars. We're just making this shit up as we go along. Yeah. <laughs> it's on a daily basis. <laughs> figure it out. If the Blackhawks don't have a plan, neither do we. Yeah. Um, we'll try to have a better plan. At some point we'll have – I want to have, like, different segments for the podcast and stuff. I know we've talked about that, but maybe – Maybe when we hit reset for the uh, the 2021 season officially, we can uh, create some different ideas. A little more, little more structure wouldn't hurt. We're, we, our, our, our podcasting is like the Blackhawks defense. There's not a lot of structure there. <laughs> um, so I guess we will. Uh, I guess we'll be back at this next week. We'll probably. I expect there'll be some more news or something. Something new to talk about. I would think about. so. I would think so. Yeah. Uh, for Mark Lazarus, I am Scott Powers, and this is Lazarus and Powers, and we'll talk to you soon. I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit